Welcome, guys, to the Recovering Reality Podcast once again. And I am your host, Eric Fredrickson, and here's where we dissect everything recovery. And we never run out of topics, never run out of things to talk about, ever, ever, ever. It'll never happen. Truthfully, this is just life related. It's what it is. We're just learning how to live healthy, responsible, mature, accountable, and in pursuit of our destiny and in pursuit of what it is we feel called to do, what we were created for. If you have not subscribed yet, what is wrong with you? What are you doing? This might be your first time listening or maybe you've listened to a few. Uh, If you haven't subscribed, make sure you do so so you get the updates. Feel free to share these podcasts with friends who you think could use some encouragement or this might help them in the space that they're in. And uh, feel free to interact with me, guys. You guys want to send me messages of how this is encouraging you and how you're growing and what you're gaining from it, um, please. I would love to interact with more of you. Um, and also for those of you who I have worked with personally, with coaching or am currently working with, um, thoroughly enjoying seeing the growth and lives be changed. And any of you that are listening that are curious about the coaching, you can obviously reach out to me and we can set up a consultation and see if coaching is the fit you need to begin to step into the life you were created for. So today, I've alluded to this specific podcast. This probably won't be the last time I do a specific topic surrounding this, and I've mentioned it multiple times, but I want to dig into this mindset of everything happens for a reason and God is in control, and I want to dig into that. I am going to get a little theological today because, let me explain something. I have a good friend, and he says, your thought... To paraphrase, pretty much what he's saying is that he says, how you think about God is the most important thought you will have. Whether people even realize that or not, it is the most important thought. Even if someone is an atheist, how they think about God being there or not being there is how they're living their life off of that baseline. Whether some, if someone is agnostic, God exists, but he's just out there and isn't involved in anything we do. You're, we're, we're conducting our lives according to that, whether we even realize it or not. And we're a firm believer in God, but we have some wrong understandings about who God is. We're interacting, living our life according to what we think about God and how we think about God. Most people unknowingly. But if you think about it, it is there. There needs to be a baseline from which we operate. The, the, the Bible calls it truth. Okay, now, even mentioning that, as I said, I am going to get more theological on this because just simply because of the topic. Um, this is not a, a new arena for me. I speak in churches regularly, but I'm definitely not limited to that. I speak in businesses regularly. I speak in at community events. I've spoken in hospitals, jails, rehabs, businesses, community. I've, I've spoken a lot of different places, and I've learned over the years how you you, you got to know who your audience is. I can't go into a certain place just speaking a certain way, saying whatever I want, however I want, making it some evangelistic crusade. It just doesn't work. I think it's 
foolishness a lot of the time, but there's ways to convey the message and to convey principles that people can grab a hold of, and the choice is theirs if they want to grab a hold of it, but they can grab a hold of it and apply it to their life and begin to shift. Obviously, if I'm speaking in a church, it's a different, different presentation and different, different way I'm presenting it, but today I'm going to be a little bit theological, okay? So, the Bible calls it truth. Everybody has a baseline from which they operate. Okay, whether people have even thought about it or have even defined their moral structure, internal, uh, the blueprint from which they think from, the foundation from which they operate, however we want to phrase that, whether it was just told to them and they believed it, something their parents said or something somebody they heard one time in a message somewhere or whatever, whether they, anyone has even explored it, there's a baseline from which we operate. And I choose, being a follower of Jesus, my baseline is Jesus. I don't believe that truth, quote unquote, I used to think, I used to hear that term, not really even knowing like where it came from or what it meant, you know, the truth will set you free. And I always, what I always thought was that just meant, I just can't lie. If I just never lie, I'll be free. And I didn't even know what freedom was. I was like, free, I'll just, I don't know, maybe I won't go to jail, which I went to jail a lot, so that didn't make sense. But I haven't had to go in over 10 years. But I didn't even understand that. And, you know, the evangelical Christian world, which I am a follower of Jesus, but I still see they love to just pull a Bible, pull a Bible verse out of the Bible and just throw it at somebody who disagrees with them and say, yeah, see? And sometimes I listen to the, the verses they pull out and I'm like, Okay, I understand that you pulled that one, two sentences out of the entire story, but you don't even understand the context of what you're saying. I just say all that to say, our understanding, that everybody has a baseline from which they operate, and it should always be progressing and more and more fine-tuned into a standard of accountability, integrity, love, kindness, grace, responsibility, maturity. We should all, it should always be that space. Whether someone is like, I just don't, I don't care. I don't want anything to do with the Bible. I'm still like, well, I'm, I can't force you to and I don't want to. I have so many friends who are totally counter to what I think and I'm not there to convert. I, it's, I, I just, I don't, it's not my agenda to convert somebody. It's, it's really not. I believe that if somebody's ready, my life's going to do the talking and they're going to be they're going to be changed by how I live. And that is included in my words. But, and I, I'm, I'm going somewhere, but I want to build a foundation here because everybody has that space from which they operate. They believe, you know, what their moral compass is, what maybe they just have never thought about it, but they saw it portrayed in family or close friends and they've just gone off of that and they've never really exp even thought about it. They just are operating on whatever they saw. Maybe they were taught their whole life in church and they disagree with, with, with you know, the hypocrisy they saw and the judgment went the other direction. And I just, you know, I have personally stayed in a space of saying, Jesus is my baseline, not religion. There's a lot of well-meaning, good-intended people, who, even pastors who preach messages, and I have a lot of friends, and, and I love them, but I, I hear things sometimes, and I'm like, well, that's great, but can I find that in the life of Jesus? And if I can't, then I absolutely have every right to question it. So let me segue into exactly the specificity of the message today, which is, in the recovery world, I hear said all the time, Everything happens for a reason. And 
Without people having to clearly define it, I think it's safe to say most of the time what they're alluding to, what they are meaning is, you know, God's in control. Everything, everything that happens just happens for a reason and it's all going to work out some way and some, some for good somehow. Or you'll hear very directly from the religious community, God is in control. God's in control of everything. And I would hear that early on. I was uh, blessed to be around some people who taught very clearly, um, who gave me a very good, who, who adjusted my baseline from which I operate and showed me stuff and explained things and gave analogies and stories as to coming against that. And it's of extreme importance because if I just believe, well, everything happens for a reason, what tends to happen when I just think, well, everything just happens for a reason, you know, like whatever is happening is happening. The universe just makes it happen. And I'm just going to, I'm just going to keep going and whatever, you know, universe is going to give me, I'm just going to deal with it. And what unknowingly so often happens is we just position ourselves for defeat. We surrender our power and a victim mentality. If God is in control, okay, I think it's safe to say, you know, I've had, I have, um, been in a lot of places where Christians, if, you know, people even ask me because I have I just talk with a lot of people about a lot of topics surrounding God because I believe it's it's important. People ask me all the time, "Oh, so you're Christian? What church you go to?" And I just always default to one same place. I say, Look, "I'm just a follower of Jesus. That's it. I'm a follower of Jesus." Yeah, but what denomination are you? I, I am a follower of Jesus. That's what I am. I'm a follower of Jesus. And it puts it perplexes them because everybody's so, well, I'm a, and they name their denomination. This is the church I go to. And this, I'm like, that's okay. Uh, I think it's good. I think we should be in a community and in a, in a, a family, so to speak, of people we're accountable to and growing with. And I'm all for that, but I'm just a follower of Jesus, period. And in the midst of following him, I've made him, he is the baseline, period. He is the baseline. And operating in this space of, okay, well, if God is in complete control, okay, and God is love, I think it's safe to say that most people would agree on that, even if they disagree with certain aspects of religion or if they, I, I think the majority of people would say, yeah, God is love. And then which leads to a whole nother question of, okay, we'll define love. Because a lot of people have never even sat down and def defined love unless they're getting their definition from 1 Corinthians 13, which is the definition of what love is and what love is not. Most people you ask what love is and they, they were like, well, I don't, it's just being nice. And they don't really have a definition themselves, which leads all the way back continually to the space of what it is we think about God is the most important thought we will have. And what is your baseline? What is your moral compass? What is your foundation? Because most people have never investigated that truthfully in depth. And when you start asking questions, it reveals it. Asking specific questions for them to define it, they don't really have detailed answers. They just kind of, it's kind of ambiguous. And I got to thinking, if God is love, okay, and yes, this came from some good teaching and conversations and help from some people, but if God is love, okay, but he's in control of everything, then he's pretty sadistic with his love. The world is not the most loving, kind, graceful place all the time. Just think of how many babies are dying. 
Think of how many people are starving. Think of how many people endure years of abuse verbally, sexually, physically, kids growing up in the, I just saw a situation in a parking lot the other day where a grandma was treating her grandson, it was child abuse in the parking lot. We actually got the, me and another, and my wife and another citizen got the cops involved. It was like, I was shell shocked. I just stood there for a second. It was like, you've got to be kidding me. She's doing that in a parking lot in public and we had to intervene. Think of everything that people go through but God is love and he's in control. Yeah, wait, what? That doesn't, it just doesn't, it didn't add up to me. It just, not, it didn't add up at all. So I began, again, my baseline being Jesus, the life of Jesus, going off of First Corinthians, sorry, Hebrews 1, 3, says Jesus is the exact, exact representation of the Father. He's the visible image of the invisible God. He didn't do anything unless he first saw the Father doing it or hear the Father saying it. Okay? Again, I said I was going to be more theological in this <laughs> message. So, going off of that, I truly began to question this. So, if God is in control of everything, why am I even praying? What's the point? I get sick. Why would I pray to get healed if God's in control? I'm fighting against Him. I get in a, a car wreck and, well, God, you know, just it's lucky you're alive. God just made it happen. He saved, he, He's teaching you something. And I began to hear this and I just was like, no. I, I, it makes no sense to me if Jesus is the exact representation of the Father that God's in control of everything all the time. And one of the, the, the biggest things that comes out of that is people say, well, look how much good came out of it. So somebody wrecks their car and they have an older car and out of them wrecking their car, what they get is like some, somehow they don't have to pay for anything and they get a brand new, even better car out of it. See, God's in control. He, you got in the car wreck because he wanted to give you the new car. And I'm like, okay, just let's, let's question that for a second too. So... God needs to create a problem to show us that he can bring a solution. He's not an egomaniac. I think he's a little more secure in himself than that. He doesn't need to create a problem just to prove he can solve it. That's like me... Okay, so, so God gives us sickness or allows it which is like the same thing, pretty much, because you'll hear that a lot too. Well, he may have not ordained it, but he's allowing it for his part. What's the difference? Really, what's the difference? Okay, so my son is acting up. So what I'm going to do, I'm just going to slip a little bit of poison into his cereal to teach him a lesson, okay, because he, he keeps acting up. And then he'll be sick, and in the midst of him being sick, I can teach him something so he can get better. You say, well, that doesn't make sense. You're, you're, it's your son and you're his father. No, that's exactly how relationship with God is. Jesus said, our father who art in heaven. So everything in my connection to God is that he's my father. It's a relationship. He's a good father. He's my father. And so if I am equating this stuff of, oh, I got in a car wreck, oh, I'm sick, oh, somebody close to me died, oh, somebody, and I hear people bringing up all the time, well, if, you know, if God loves me, why did he take my daughter? And I'm always like, why, who said God took your daughter? Who said God took your, what, what does God have to do with that at all? Why does he get blamed for everything? 
And again, it comes back to the baseline of most people think everything happens for a reason. God's in control. I, I choose not to believe any of that. This, this is what I and millions of other people on the planet and a very clear perspective and healthier understanding is growing is that God is in charge. And then you hear the religious term, well, he's sovereign. Again, it comes back to a misunderstanding. Sovereignty, the definition of biblical sovereignty is not God is in control and everything. He ordains and controls everything. We're puppets on strings. It's all his master plan. Like he's pretty sadistic if this is just his master plan. Because there, yeah, there is more good happening than there is bad. Yes, I see more good in the world than I do bad. Yes, I believe that most people do more good. Than, I, I get all of that. But there's still a lot of bad happening. Sovereignty is not God is in control of everything. Sovereignty is that he answers to no one. He is the highest authority. He can do whatever he wants, however he wants, whenever he wants. And he doesn't need someone's permission to do it. Period. That's the definition of biblical sovereignty. And so I kept defaulting this place of, okay, well, I, he, he, there's no way he's in control. If he's so good and amazing and loving, which he is, then he's not very good at his job. He's not all powerful or he's just pretty twisted. And those aren't true. So what is it then? Well, again, the baseline, the, the baseline of truth in my life is Jesus is the exact representation of the Father. Jesus didn't control people. Jesus entered into relationship with people. He was in charge, not control. There's a big difference between someone stepping on the scene and them being in charge or them trying to control and manipulate everything. Me being the father in my household and having two little boys, is it anyone that's a, a parent will understand this? Is it possible to just control everything all day long? I have a two and a half year old and a one and a half year old and they're boys. It's impossible. Can't just control everything all day long. It doesn't work. I'm in charge. I, I am in charge. My wife and I are in charge here, okay, together. But it's not, you know, I, I believe God is all powerful. He could be in charge. He could do whatever he wants, however he wants, whenever he wants. I believe he is all powerful. But love is not out to control and manipulate. Love loves people into change and gives them the free choice. Well, if God is all love and all powerful, why, what, why is there so many problems? Again, it all comes back to people's baseline is that God's in control of everything. He's not. He's in charge and he's love. And when invited into a situation, he will take charge and bring about his purposes. But it's relational and he's love. Love doesn't control. Love doesn't manipulate. Love doesn't have a secret hidden agenda. Love doesn't have those things. Love is not secretive with their approach. Love is wide out in the, right out in the open about everything. Love is kind. Love is patient. Love doesn't take an account of wrongs. Love isn't envious. And I, I could go on, okay? 1 Corinthians 13 is the definition. Love is not secretive with their approach. There's not some secret hidden agenda attached to what... God's agenda is to love us right out in the open into wholeness. And our lives coming into the place of wholeness become, as the Bible says, a living word that people can read. They're looking at our life and they're like, 
wow. So me, for example, wow, he used to just like be violent and go to jail and it was girls and it was drugs and it was drunkenness. And it was like, he was like hell on wheels, literally. Wait, now he's like talking about God and all he does is help people and he's starting these things to help people. He does all this community stuff and works with people. What, 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 what? A living word that people are reading by looking at. So why people are paying attention to us. When we say we believe something like that, people may not come out verbally and say it, but they're watching, trust me. They're watching, they are paying attention, especially when they know where you've come from. So it all, for me, it all boils down to everybody has a baseline from which they operate. And unfortunately, most people have never even defined their own. They've let everybody else define it for them. And they've never even sat down. And when people tell me, I say, oh, yeah, so explain, you know, so, well, God is love. Oh, man, I agree. Define love for me. Well, you know, it's kind of like, uh, well, well, uh, I, and some kind of ambiguous misunderstanding comes out. You ask people point blank to begin to define this thing with God. Well, it's God, you know, God is in control. Everything happens for a reason. Well, define that. Explain exactly what you mean and where you got that from. Well, I mean, you know, it's, it's, well, look at the world. Well, look, and they don't have a definition for it. So I tell people, that's why I ask very specific questions that put people in a place of having to answer. It's not to point, it's not to prove people wrong or, Make people think I, that's, it's, that it has nothing to do with it. It's to get people to think and define for themselves what they really believe. Because most people, most people don't know what they believe. They just go off of what was told to them by somebody at one point in some situation. And they just take it as truth and that's how they live. But it's truth that sets us free. It's a baseline in my life. I have been completely 100% addicted to a long list of drugs, alcohol, pornography, depression. I was suicidal. I was, I, I could just continue down the list. Everything is gone from my life. All of those addictions, all of that spiritual bondage is 100% gone and has been for years and years. Now, am, am, I, am I saying that I just do everything perfect all the time and I have zero problems and I'm just this, everything's glorious. Well, you know, living a different way is going to position you quite nicely to not have a long list of problems just by the way I'm living. But sure, there's still challenges I have. There's still things that pop up that I need to journal about and deal with and pray about. There's, it, it still is a continual maintenance on a daily basis. I don't float around with a halo on my head. Like, no, not, not at all. But that long list of addictions, I can very clearly and openly say it's all gone. All of it for years. It has been. And that's available for anybody. But it's our baseline of understanding that positions us for different results. And if our baseline of understanding is, well, God's just in control, most of the time what I see is that positions people to live in a defeated mentality and slip into a victim mentality I mean, if God's in control again, why, why would you even pray? What's the point? Whatever's happening is what God wants to do. So you praying for it not to happen is you trying to fight God. Why would we even waste our time? I do not believe God's in control. I actually believe that the Bible says very clearly he's not in control. And I believe that God is love and there's a definition to love. And in the midst of having a definition for love, if God is love, if we just look around, the world doesn't completely define and shine of that definition of love. So, all that being said, 
the place that I live from, which has granted me great freedom, and many, many, many other people, is that Jesus is the exact representation of the Father. So if I have any misunderstanding about God, if there's anything that I believe about God that I cannot find in the life of Jesus, I should question it. Even if it's a well-meaning, good-intended preacher who's saying it. God bless them, and I'm not pointing any fingers at any denomination or any people. I would never name names, but it happens all the time. If I hear any talking about who the Father is, and I can't find what they're talking about in the life of Jesus, I am going to question it every single time. God is in charge, and, we, and when I invite Him into the, my life, and I invite Him into situations relationally, He is all-powerful, and He will come in and take charge and bring about His purposes, but He's love. Love is relational. Love is kind. Love doesn't keep an account of wrongs. Love isn't envious, boastful, angry, bitter. Love isn't any of those things. Love's not sadistic. Love doesn't have hidden agendas. It's all right out in the open. I could go on and on and on quoting scripture and stories from my life. I think I've laid a pretty good foundation and gotten the point across clearly. I understand this is a different podcast from the rest of them, but what you'll hear in the rest of them is all kingdom principles. I just, I've, I've chosen to believe that there's a way to convey the message that regardless of where people are at with their resistance to God or religion, they can grab a hold of. I've sat down and talked with atheists and I left all the religious lingo out and any biblical left it all out and just conveyed the principle that came from the prince of peace, the principle in common language. And by the end of the conversation, the atheist and I are agreeing on almost every single point. But if I was to start by saying, hey, I need to tell you about the Bible, they would not want anything to do with it. But by the end of the conversation, they're agreeing with it all. But if they knew that every single principle I'm talking about came from Jesus, they would have been resistant to it. But they agree with the principle. Why? Most of the time it's because they have been hammered with religion, told God's in control and a loved one died, told, well, God's this, well, God, and they've been presented with a wrong perspective of who God is and chose to challenge it. And because they never were presented with a clear perspective of God is an alternative of who he really is, they sided with the side of, well, I want nothing to do with that then. If God's in control, if that's the God you say he is, I don't want that one. And most of the time, I don't blame them. I'm not necessarily rambling, but I am going down different rabbit trails now. Still staying on the same point, but I'm going to end with that, okay? In my life, it has granted me great freedom to operate from the space of Jesus is my baseline. If there is a presentation or teaching on God, who God is that I can't find in the life of Jesus, then I will question it. And I live from a space that God is love. He is all-powerful and He is love. But He's not in control. He doesn't need to create a problem to prove to me He can solve it. He will bring good out of bad. But that, you know, he, He's so good at bringing good out of bad that most of the time we think He created the bad. But he doesn't need to create a problem to prove he can... He's not an egomaniac. He doesn't need to do that. We live in a world where there's chaos. We live in a world where there's free will. We live in this space, and God is in charge. And when invited in, 
Many problems will stop before they ever even start. And the problems that do exist, we invite him in and co-labor, partner with God to begin to bring about his purposes and things change radically. He's in charge. He wants to be that way because he's love. So thank you for joining me on a bit of a different journey this morning on this podcast. Um, I've alluded to this podcast multiple times over the last, I think it's been about three months now this podcast has been going. And I hope that this um, sparks and stirs some different thinking that is going to grant great freedom into your life. So thank you guys again for joining me on this journey. I would love your interaction if you guys want to reach out to me. And... I have a couple of different interviews coming up here in the next week, week and a half. I'm excited to share those. Some women doing some awesome things in the world of recovery. And we'll talk to you guys again soon. Thank you for joining us on the Recovering Reality Podcast.